And now, rate that album, season three, with Paul Muadib and Joe Fremming, two guys who know stuff. Hi, and welcome back to Rate That Album, back and forth album review between myself, Joseph Fremming, and my good old friend, Paul Muadib. Paul, I got bad news for you. What's that, buddy? The jury has found you guilty of being a redneck, white bread, <laughs> chicken shit motherfucker. <laughs> you take that back! You take that back! <laughs> <laughs> That's a lie! That's, That's a, a goddamn, goddamn lie! lie. That's... <laughs> yeah. Uh, last week, uh, so last week we did uh, <clears throat> two live crew. I wanted to reel it back, just uh, actually just a few years before. Uh, as nasty as they want to be when another album from the world of hip-hop shook America to its core. We're talking about N.W.A.'s 1988 album, Straight Outta Compton. Paul, what do you think white America was more afraid of? Sex or angry black guys? Um, oh, you know, I mean, I think... I mean, I think it was black guys. Doesn't have to be angry black guys, right? I think that's why, really, Two Live Crew got the worst of it because it was black guys rapping about doing hip hop about yeah. sex. So they went after them for both things, um, you know. But I mean, oh, they went after NWA. Oh, they were hard as well. Yeah, no, I, and they also. I mean, if I remember correctly, too. Um, this was a little bit before Public Enemy, or this came out a little after Public Enemy, and they had their kerfuffle. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I just this- think any brown people, just brown people in general, dude, scares scares white America. And then I think sex is slightly a little bit more above that, but it's it's there. I mean, it's and I don't I, I don't think it's sex. I think it's other people having sex that scares white people. <laughs> well- Public Enemy and NWA scared the shit out of white people. I would argue this this was this scared America more, uh, especially with uh, the infamous track "Fuck the Police." We'll get to that, but uh, yes, let's let's talk a little bit about NWA. See, and this is kind of weird. I was uh, I was listening to this, and then I watched a documentary on them the other night, and it was it's just crazy how much the world has changed and remained the same uh back in the late 80s uh los angeles had like a kind of a glitzy image mm-hmm. a glitzy image because you know it's built you know hollywood and celebrities and you got the showtime lakers and everything just seemed all on you know just like surreal and great but within <laughs> california you go, to Compton, <laughs> you go to Compton, the crack epide- epidemic hits mm-hmm. these poor neighborhoods hard. Yep. And yep. Uh, one entrepreneur who wanted to break out of the crack, or I don't know if he dealt crack, but I know he's a drug dealer, was Eric Easy E. Wright. Yes. He wanted to start a band. And he was, he decided he would float the money he had to create said band. He did not really have any intention of being in the band. And that band would become NWA. That's crazy. He begins it with his friend, Dr. Dre. 
They recruit Ice Cube, MC Ren, and DJ Yella, along with uh, a few stragglers here and there. Arabian Prince was in it. He's on one track on the album. We'll discuss, mm-hmm. but he's on the cover. But like that's about his involvement in NWA is peripheral at best. But he still made the album cover. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and these guys started making music, and they were talking about shit. People, one, either had no idea what was going on, or two, it's, it scared the shit out of them that they knew it was going on, and they really didn't care until people started, like, people in NWA started saying, hey, this is fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and... They come out with an album called Straight Outta Compton. Uh, the album cover is them peering down upon the, <laughs> the buyer of the album with a gun pointed at you. Yep. Iconic. Uh, iconic album cover. It deals with gang violence, police violence, drug violence, and it it shook the foundations while at the same time creating i don't not creating but popularizing gangster rap yes a genre yes. that i imagine is still around but it's gangster rap really had the winds knocked out of it a few years not even yeah less than 10 years after this comes out with the death of two high profile rappers that we've discussed before with Tupac Shakur and Biggie Smalls. Yeah, it really, I mean, in my mind, and again, this is to me, the golden age of, of gangster rap was like 88, 89 to like 97, 98. Yeah. 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 And you had like a lot of classics in that. Uh, You had doggy style. Mm. A lot of it was actually from people in this band. Yes. Uh, Dr. Dre, uh, Ice Cube, and Eazy-E all had these solo careers where they put out fucking classic gangster rap albums. You had The Predator by Ice Cube, The yep. Chronic by Dr. Dre. <laughs> Dre's producing all these acts under Death Row Records uh, run by Fat Boy, I like to call him, Suge Knight. Suge Knight, yeah. He's a piece of shit, and I'll call him Fat Boy because he'll probably never see outside a prison cell again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, 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 he never, yeah, no, no, he's never getting out. Yeah, no, you had, um, you had that, you know, and then you had like a lot of the people that they worked with or like were protégés, such as Snoop Dogg when G Funk, um, oh, started yeah. coming around. Warren and, G. Yep, Warren G, Nate Dogg. Warren G, I think, is actually Warren G, I believe, is Dre's stepbrother. Oh, interesting. Okay. Something like that. It's, he's related somehow. Yeah, you know, and then of course you had, Tupac, Biggie, you know, we talked about those ones, everything like that. Yeah, no, that was really, and then, you know, on the on the other side, you had, you know, the group that basically was, you know, Public Enemy, you know, Ice-T, and, and that crew, and it was like, it was really that ecosystem that really was the highlight of, of Gangster Rap, um, and yeah, I, once that was gone, that was gone, you know, in my mind. But I, it served an important function, I think, and yeah, I think after a while it kind of glamorized this lifestyle. I'm not hearing a whole lot of glamorization of this on Straight Outta Compton. I think a lot of it is, uh, this is fucking not right, but this is their life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even though it really wasn't. Like, Easy and Ren were probably the closest ever 
living this sort of lifestyle. It's heightened and cartoonish, a uh, lot much like as nasty as they want to be, you know. Uh, yes. And it's funny at times. <laughs> like, yes. There's times I'm laughing. The intentional funny, and sometimes it's just unintentional. Like, just the way uh, <laughs> Ice Q would just call uh, a woman rejecting him a dumbass hooker. Yeah, you know, what's really interesting that you bring up there, and this is something that we haven't talked about the last two albums, I really feel like this is something that, you know, should be discussed a little bit, is, you know, there is this love of hip-hop, this love of gangster rap, but what's interesting to me is the is the knots of misogyny in it that like people that normally shouldn't love hip hop do. And I always find that uh, contradiction, interesting talking piece, but you know, again, I also look at it from the golden age of it. It was a different time, right? Yep. It was a different time. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, hip hop long history of misogyny in it. Uh, I don't know if it's any better or worse these days. I don't listen to a lot of modern hip hop. I imagine it might be a little bit better, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of it on here. Uh, like same with as nasty as it wanted to be, but yeah, we're, you know, but when this came out, that was not the controversy surrounding NWA. No, (laughs) this album comes out and it's, it's some minor radio play with, some singles, but uh, it's not until Fuck the Police blows up. Now, this song, they did a video. They did videos for, like, Straight out of Compton and other things, and uh, MTV wouldn't air just because. Uh, it went against their uh, whatever, their guy. Their white code? Their white yeah. code? Pretty much, pretty much. Well, I mean, you know, there's, I mean, this is something you and I, I, I wanted to talk about too, but we won't do it on this one. But there's a lot of history with MTV um, having early, they had to have a, a percentage of what was white versus black artists um, because of where their demographic was and where they wanted to have the saturation for MTV. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of internal memos there. Yeah, well, after, let's just say, after Fuck the Police and NWA blow up, that ratio probably changed because hip-hop dominates. Mm-hmm. Do- and it still does. It it dominated MTV and radio. It still does to this day. Like, But, yeah, so Fuck the Police comes out. And it's, uh, you know, it's controversial. But, mm-hmm. on the other hand, these guys kind of have a point. Uh, Compton at this time is notorious with uh, police brutality. Yep. Uh, a lot of people really don't see that until a few years after this comes out with the Rodney King. The, yes, yes, and I, I and I want to point out too, it wasn't just Compton. I mean, Watts had a huge problem. Yeah, uh, four black neighborhoods had yes, yes across the United States. Uh, these guys, you know, they're talking about Compton. They're from there. Uh, this that song becomes wildly popular, Paul. Yep. And NWA and their label, like the the main label, like Ruthless, which was started by Easy E's, like the sub label, but the the top label gets a letter from the FBI accusing this song of inspiring uh, death. 
deaths in in law enforcement. And (sighs) it's so ridiculous. And it became like, this is again, all of a sudden this NWA is on the news. And again, back in the day, it was big. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was pretty big if something ended up on the news. It's not like today where somebody could fart and be on the news. Back then it had to be kind of uh, shocking. Yes, absolutely. And, yep. And Easy, I think he said, you know, for what he invested in recording the song was like, you know, maybe, yeah. You know, well, invested in making the whole album, I believe, was eight thousand dollars to record the album. Uh, they got, he said, they got a millions of do- millions of dollars worth of free publicity from the FBI. That <laughs> Dr. Dre yes. said it was the one of the best publicity that you could ever have asked for because it all of a sudden it's taboo. And there's a song about the, this profession that we grew, we're growing up to be taught that, you know, they these are heroes and stuff like, whoa, maybe they're not. Yeah. You know, for I think a lot of white America, this idea of fuck the police didn't play into their world um, at all. And then to hear this and have this other side, you know, now again, this comes to the whole, you know, the, 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 what the concern was the brainwashing of youth, right? Because you had the old people that already indoctrinated. There was nothing that anyone was going to say that was going to change their minds on it. But here you have, you know, again, you and I were, uh, this came out in 88. So we were seven. (laughs) Yeah, we were seven. And I knew kids that we went to school with. Um, that had this album, um, that were playing it. Uh, I remember, um, actually someone was playing it. One of the teachers had left the room. We were inside for recess cause it was a really bad storm. And one of the teachers left the room. So when the kids put it on the, on the tape player in, in our third grade classroom. And I, that was the first time I heard the album and I was like, just blown away. But yeah, later, like looking at it and realizing that this really was the first time that I think a lot of people were introduced to the fact that maybe the police aren't what you think they are. No. Yeah. And, uh, and then, uh, at least shortly after that, then you had cop killer by body count, which was ice T's hardcore. Suddenly, uh, there was a lot of fear then because it was like all of a sudden like, Hey, why are these, why are these people really angry at the cops? And, yeah. and, then, and then Rodney King video and it, and it doesn't change. Unfortunately, as we saw in 2020. No, no. But if I remember correctly, Joe, now there was a time now I think people forget cause now cop cars, you know, I think, younger audience members and people that listen um, and people outside the United States um, now cop cars, they're all hidden at this point, right? Like there is no old school cop car anymore. That's easy to tell. It's a cop car anymore. At the time of this, it was very easy to see the police, Uh, the police, uh, you know, undercover vehicles were few and far between, um, and cops really just had a sidearm and that was it. And I remember this and the, you know, and the cop killer and then talking about Rodney King, where there was a lot of bills that were coming out, you know, by conservatives to arm the police. They need to be able to crack down these things. And it became kind of this escalation war. And which is really interesting because again, this, there's this, there's this contradiction here of 
people that you know the first amendmenters right like we we need our guns to protect us from the police state but we want to have our police officers armed as much as possible yeah which (laughs) you know what i mean like again there's this contradiction there and I remember that the Rodney King and this and this whole era right here, this 1990, you know, this 88 to about 94 was where the police really started to ramp up in firearms, what they're allowed to have. And there was a bunch of bills that were passed and it kind of placated the way to where it is now, which is the police really aren't here to protect and serve anymore. Yeah, it militarized them. Yeah, uh, yeah, the police are militarized in in, in yeah, the United States now. Post nine yeah. eleven didn't help either. When no security started shoveling money to these local law enforcements for like fucking tanks and shit, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. And it's, but yeah, it was all it, it's all like a reaction. And again, I was watching yes. the, I was watching the contra- the documentary and the controversy around all of this, and I'm thinking about like I really started thinking about like how these guys had to fight. You know, they got arrested for, you know, rat- doing these songs in smaller areas, much mm-hmm. like you left crew. And I'm like trying to think crew. of like these. I started thinking about like today's uh, troll conservative commentators who yeah. think they're being brave by like using the wrong pronouns and fighting wokeism. And I'm like, you guys are not <laughs> really standing for anything. Like these guys. For risking getting the shit kicked out of them by cops. Yep. Yeah. Hundred percent. No. 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 There. There was a different time. Again, I think there's has become. You know, one thing I will say is there's be, people have become soft. <laughs> yeah. But people it was have become like, real you see, soft. You see, like the, like these Ben Crowders, like trying to be all like, "We're ed- I'm edgy. Like you wouldn't be edgy enough to say something like "fuck the police" mm-hmm. and do a song where you're basically glamorizing, you know. Beating Cop. the shit you know, out of a, or murdering cops, murdering cops. Yep. At one point in the song that, with Ren, but you know, Ice Cube going toe to toe in the middle of a cell. I better bring a body bag. Of, <laughs> you know, like, there's also homophobia on this album. Uh, they accuse Which, cops of being yep gay, and that's why they want to grab their nuts. And and again, that's you know, let's just let's throw that out there because of, you know, again, misogyny, homophobia. It's rooted in hip hop. I don't ask where it came from. That's not us being, um, you know, um, biased. It's it's rooted in there. You look at a lot of early gangster hip hop. There's a lot of homophobia, homophobic slang, and a lot of misogyny. It's just what it is. And my counter argument to that, Paul, would be these guys were too angry from their their regular lives to give a shit about political correctness. Oh, well, and this is the thing. <laughs> <laughs> political, I mean, I, how? The, yeah, again, the song is called "Fuck the Police." I think political correctness was thrown out the fucking window. Um, <laughs> Listen to gangsta, gangster, like there's no political correctness. No, and, no. You know, and and, sometimes there's, sometimes there's, you know, I, you know, I don't like those, you know, themes and shit. But like sometimes it, it, you have to acknowledge the time. Yeah, and, and where uh, these guys were coming from. And to me, honestly, there is, and I know people are going to jump on us and cancel us for saying that there is somewhat to me a breath of fresh air, um, you know, of the fact that there is some no political correctness that I go, man, you know, yes, I understand this is hurtful, whatever, but it wasn't what it was in the time. You know what I mean? Because again, context is context. Yeah. And now when people are 
purposely being politically incorrect for it. It's because there's a hatred. Yeah, uh, there's a, yeah, and that's like again, you, know, you go back to like the Ben Shapiro's or the Steve. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a hatred towards gay people. Where this is just, they're using homophobia as a way to uh, humiliate was, humiliate yeah. the cops, make it, them feel like jokes. Yes, yes. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. sure there was also a lot of homophobia because again, that was that was the time, and I hate using that as the excuse, but fuck, you know, people weren't as enlightened in 1988 as they were in 2022. People just have to kind of roll the fuck up about. Yeah, that. yeah, and, and I will say again, it wasn't that they're saying kill, you know, homosexuals. Yeah, yeah, it's not, it's not no. fuck the gay people. No, no, it's not. No, it's not fuck the gays. It's <laughs> it's you know fuck the police. So again. Yeah. The it wasn't sure there was some homophobia there, but there wasn't. What I want to make very clear is there's a difference between now I think homophobia because you think of the word phobia, fear, but it's not much much of that anymore. It's a hatred these days. Where it's a hatred. It's a hatred. It's not a fear. It's not a misunderstanding. It's not a I don't get it anymore. It's just a hatred. Where back then it was, I don't get it. I don't understand it. It's not our thing. And to be you know, down at the time, Joe and you and I, when we were kids, we called people gay as slurs all the time. Yeah. And it wasn't meant that it was, you know, it wasn't the act of it. It was just, it was the word yeah. was just, you know, because honestly, we couldn't say fuck or shit or whatever. So everything was gay. Right. Yeah. And a lot of times I use it as the meant lame. Yep. Exactly. But it still, it was still. You know, I still feel bad that I use the words, but you Absolutely. Know, it's like I can't go back and change it. And again, in 88, these guys are dealing with a lot of shit in their neighborhoods. Like, again, crack e- epidemic, police brutality, <laughs> mm-hmm. poverty, uh, not wanting to offend people who are not on their radar and nor should it have been. <laughs> no, <laughs> like, this album no. should offend people. That was because, the point. And it came out. Yeah, it came out. It was. It's going to offend you. Fuck you. They're mm-hmm. mad. And they yep. have every right to be mad. <laughs> yeah, 100%. 100% they had every right to be mad. Yeah. And to take away from that is, and to make it about something else is really bullshit. Yeah. And you got people also have to remember, like, when we were kids, we were told we were in a post-racial society in schools. <laughs> yes. In our school, when we are going to school, ball and I. Mm-hmm. We were always told we we're living in a post-racial society. So when something like this comes out, you're like, for me, it was like, maybe we're not. Maybe we're not. No, 100%. No, you nailed it. And again, it was part, you know, you had those kids. Because again, a great point, Joe. We had, we had assemblies about being in a post-racial society. And then this comes out. And when you have, you had these kids that interpret it wrong. And we know those kids that interpret it wrong. You know the people I'm talking about who <laughs> all too look, well, all too well, who look at that and go, rather than being critical and going, maybe we don't, they're looking at this going, oh, these people are drudging up and they're making problems that don't exist because that's what their parents were telling them and their yep. parents, parents, parents. And they yeah. still believe it to this day. They still believe it. And they're, they're putting that shit into their kids' heads and it's sad. Yeah. 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 So yeah. that's kind of like this. The gist of NWA, uh, Q Believe, after this album. This is the only album, really, with the, the classic lineup. Q Believes because uh, certain manager, white guy, you want to know more about him, listen to No Vaseline. 
Okay. <laughs> uh, his name is Jerry Heller. Uh, Q, as you know, as you can see in the credits, wrote a lot of this album, and he wasn't getting paid. Uh, but he was, and Heller came to him with a $75,000 check, and he's like, this should be bigger, and the guy tried to tell. I'm like, no, no, no. So he goes to his, he finds some lawyers, and it becomes a big thing, but he ends up getting his money. But it causes a friction with him and the rest of the rest of the guys, and then eventually, after the next album, they all kind of well, like, hey, yeah. You know, here's here's a question that maybe you know about it, maybe you don't. Maybe this is something we'll get into. Maybe when we do some of these people's solo stuff. But you know, I haven't watched the documentaries. I, you know, and you know, when you watch some of the uh, like the biopics and things like that, I always feel like I'm not getting the real story. You're always no. getting some, you know. So what was the deal though? Because I know there was a big beef between Dr. Dre and Easy E, and uh, I never knew what that was all about. It was a creative difference and money. <laughs> okay, when they're making the next album, and then Dre wanted to be released from his contract with Ruthless, so he could go and start Death Row. Got it. And Easy was not going to allow it. So Suge Knight, being Suge Knight. He makes a meeting with Eze, and he shows up with a bunch of goons with lead pipes, and they threaten to beat. They rough Eze up allegedly oh, to the until he signs gets signs Dre out of his contract, and they tried suing for that, and then I believe they settled out of court. Okay, okay, but yes. that was it. But it was like, and then, and so, and then Dre. Because he was frustrated, uh, he did a song on the Chronicle called uh, Dre Day that makes fun of Easy E. Yes. Yep. Uh, in the video, he sleazy E. Yes. And then Easy E came out with an album which featured a, photo, a prominent photo of Dr. Dre back when he was uh, in like this R and B <laughs> flashy band, and he's like wearing a glittery <laughs> doctor's <laughs> outfit. Just basically call him out because he's not gangster. Uh, again, like of all the guys, I think Ren and Easy were the only ones that are actually at least part of that lifestyle. I don't, I don't, I don't think they were actually in gangs, but they were slinging dope and shit like yeah. that. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yep. And then you go to Death Row, and like that was the downfall of Death Row. I think was getting so immersed in the gang culture that the yeah. inmates were started running the asylum. Yeah, Death Row, that's an interesting, interesting thing. Uh, Death Row is, it made a lot of money until it became a shit show. Because you Suge Knight played with gangsters, and then the gangsters kind of started running shit. He's a big guy, but he's not going to take on the bloods. No, I know that I know. And again, I know a little bit because uh, Easy E's death was one of the things that you know really uh, yeah. stuck out to me because um, you know he was one of the first really prominent. Um, um, yep. Him and uh, Freddie Mercury were the first <laughs> I remember dying of AIDS. I yes, mean, Mercury was a few years. Easy E got it, and it hit him fast. It was like rapid. Like he yes. had to, go to a doctor with a cough, and then like I think it was like. A few weeks later, he was on a ventilator. And another thing, people, I think it, it's shocking to hear that, but you got to remember back then they didn't really know how to treat it. There right. Cocktails like we have today. Yeah. People with AIDS, even though you know it's still a highly deadly disease, but the cocktails, at least uh, the medications, keep you, you know, as best as it can. 
Mm-hmm. But that that wasn't really, as far as I know, that wasn't. No. Back no. Then. It no. really it took him fast. Well, and I was going to say was was that you know with we, we, it wasn't until also Easy E's death that again sign of the times. The myth was that AIDS was a homosexual disease, which is why Freddie Mercury died. All these other people died. It was for a while. It was believed that straight people couldn't get it. And if I'm not mistaken, it wasn't until Easy E getting it that public opinion of that changed. And they're like, say, oh, shit. I would say him and then Magic Johnson getting HIV. Yes. And Magic, but Magic Johnson, I think, came a little after Easy e didn't it? I think it was might have been before, honestly. Uh, it was, I think, because he was on, the, yeah, because that derailed his, uh, I think it was like maybe 92, 93. But yeah, it's around the same time. Okay, so it wasn't around kinda, the same Okay. Probably, Public perception of AIDS kind of started. You're right. You're right. No, I looked at I looked I looked at the dates. You're absolutely right. Magic Johnson was before Easy E. You're right. Okay. Uh, for some reason, I had that reversed in my head, and I'm not sure why. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. It's it's a fucking deadly disease, man. Like, mm-hmm. Fuck. But what I was gonna say was was that I know that there's some beefs between some of the people, and I think it was Ice T or Ice Cube. I, well, he had beef with both. Easy E did, but I want to say he. <laughs> um, Kind of before he died, he made amends, but I don't think he ever did with Dr. Dre. I don't think he and no. Dr. Dre ever, ever decided to get back and be like, hey, I'm dying, Dr. Dre. And I think Dr. Dre was like, go fuck yourself. Yeah. No. So here's the so Easy E goes to New York and he, uh, he starts chatting with Ice Cube and they actually start talking about an NWA reunion. Okay. At the time, Dr. Dre was in jail on a gun charge. Oh, that's right. I uh, forgot about that. So what happens is uh, between that time, Easy finds out he has AIDS. He's in the hospital, and they put him on a ventilator, and I believe Dre went and visits him. And it's kind of haunting him to this day because the last – he didn't even really get to speak to him because the guy was, had machines breathing for him. Oh, Christ. He visits him. So, like, he – you know, he probably said his amends, but, you know, if – easy heard it or not yeah oh that sucks yeah that sucks it's one of those things where it's like if you think about it maybe holding beefs isn't the best idea in the world no i, I don't i know holding beefs is not the best idea in the world all you right never know what's gonna happen but yeah so let's go to the let's do track by track now oh right? let's do track by track let's do track right. by track. yeah we got all the all the fun stuff out of the way there so let's talk the opening al- opening of the album, Straight Out of Compton, which begins with Dre saying, you're about to, what's it say? Uh, whatever. It's, uh, <laughs> it's the album out. You're about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Yes. And then boom, boom. The, it just kicks it off. Kicks yep. it off. With kicks it off. Yep. Dance. Straight Out of Compton. Um, a motherfucker named Ice Cube. <laughs> now, I want to I bring up the difference. Between what I feel like, because we did, you know, two live crew and, you know, this one. One of the things that we had a problem with two live crew was, was that they had all these members, you know, rapping, but there wasn't really a good distinction. There wasn't a sound there. I will say this in terms of the beats, and you may disagree with me. I prefer that Miami beat 
I really, really do. I just, I love what they were doing there. Um, compared to this, I felt the beats, but what makes this a much stronger album is first of all, obviously the content, but the fact that each person is coming out, you know, it's ice cube, you know, it's ran, you know, it's easy. E like this is, this is, you know, to, I think newer audiences, this is what the original Wu Tang was. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, they all have distinct voices. <laughs> mm-hmm. Whereas, like, when we're talking about uh, Two Live Crew, they didn't really have that or much personality. Uh, there's personality up the ass on <laughs> Yes, yes, there's personality up the ass. So, that's one of the cool things about it. Now, again, I'm not going to say they didn't do things if I because you know, this had James Brown, this song and James Brown, they had the Funkadelic, it had Rodney Hudson, uh, they did the Winstons, they had Damien DMX. So there's a lot of samples, Wilson Pickett. So they had a lot of, of samples going on on this one. Um, and again, as you mentioned, ice cube wrote almost, or was a writer on almost every song, I think minus two or three. Yeah. Um, Those are probably the weakest on the album. And we'll, yeah, we'll discuss that, but my God, I mean, yeah, Rim is, kicks it out, man. It just boom, straight out of Compton. Uh, yeah. They're mad and they're set, talking about fucked up shit. It's, yeah. it, it's a really powerful intro. Like the first three songs on this really mm-hmm. just hit you hard. Yes. First four, I would argue. First four, I would argue that as well. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> Start to mumble. They want to rumble. Mix them up, cook them in a pot like gumbo. I, <laughs> Again, the crime record like Charles Manson, right? And AR7 is the tool. Don't make me act like a fucking fool. So now what I think is the difference between this and again, what we're doing with, um, uh, two live crew, two live crew knew that they're being funny. I think there's some juvenile things in here, but this is meant to be a statement. Yeah. Yeah, There's the are, difference. They are coming not, out with something to say. Yes. Yes. It's not just juvenile sex humor. These are guys that, you know, you could tell a difference between, you know, again, going up Miami, having being on the beaches and having a fucking kind of a easy life in that situation versus growing up in in the poverty ridden ghettos of California. Um, two very different ways of growing up, two very different styles of lyrics and rapping. Yeah. 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 But this really kicks it off. And I love the interchange between Ren and Cube and Easy. And I, for my personal favorite rappers, like Easy E and Cube are like in my top five. Mm -hmm. I love Easy E because he has such a distinct voice. He's, that's another thing that uh, I think Dre is good at finding because he does that again on the chronic with, Snoop, mm-hmm. very distinct and very not of the norm of, of that time. You know what I mean? A hundred percent, hundred percent. And I will say that I think Easy E to me, he is uh, the ODB of the NWA. Yeah, yeah he's kind of like the hype man. Like when they play live shows, he would come out and Jason masks and everything. You kind of like what Flavor Flav was doing too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, but you know, it kind of like little bit of the comic relief uh again uh, should be stated he had no interest in actually being a rapper that's so funny. <laughs> he wanted that's... to just get the band started finance and like as a business a legitimate business venture uh and when they started recording uh the track boys in the hood which will end up 
at his uh, solo album. Solo album. Yeah, uh, they were. It was tough to record, but like when Cube, what Ice Cube, when he heard it because he wrote the song, he was just like, "Holy shit!" Because <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like that's a voice, man. Like he has a very distinct voice. Oh God, yeah, and that's that's one of my favorite, top favorite uh, gangster rap songs of all time. Boys, yeah. the- hundred percent. It's it's oh, so oh, fucking it's iconic. Great. It's, a, it's <laughs> uh, I think I think later on with uh, Eight Ball is kind of in the same vein too. Of Boys in the mm-hmm. but again, yes. Again, it's written by Cube, so it's going to have that. Now let's now let's go to fuck the police, Paul. Fuck the police. I remember when this became popular, and again, it was on the news, and it was shocking. For my little white ass. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Like, holy shit. <laughs> I my remember. brother had the tape, too, so. See, now, I had two sisters. My sisters didn't have the tape. But, again, a guy we went to high, uh, a guy, a, a, a guy now, but he was a kid when we were in third grade, had this and was playing it. And, um, yeah, I remember just being eye-wide. You know, again, I had, because I had brought it in. <laughs> <laughs> I had brought in my They Might Be Giants tape. <laughs> <laughs> and here this kid's got fucking, you know, uh, NWA straight out of Compton. Two very different things. Yeah. Um, uh, people probably thought that other kid was the edgier one, Paul, but I would disagree. <laughs> <laughs> like, knowing you over the years, you have a hard edge to that. that. <laughs> I, I know the guy now, and I do. <laughs> We'll talk He's about a car it. dealer in Branson, Missouri. Uh, well, no, you're not far off. <laughs> we'll talk about it on the, when we're done here, and you'll laugh when you know who it is. Um, but yeah, no, no, this is great. Like you know, it's this is one of the things where the sampling's coming in, you know, and you got the you got the trumpet in the background, right? You know, and they 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 have the right about now. NWA court is in full effect. Yeah, Dr. Dr. Judge Dre residing, uh, presiding. So good. Yeah, and it's it's uh, it's NWA holding the LAPD or the police department uh, <laughs> on court. They put them on trial in this song, and mm-hmm. they find them guilty. <laughs> and they each uh, Cube and Ren and Easy all have their grievances. <laughs> oh yeah. Some of the, you know, some of the things, you know, uh, got a bad because I'm brown and not the other color. So police think they have the authority to kill a minority, um, you know. Uh, and again, we're gonna get into this because you know uh, we're just gonna say what the lyrics were, you know. But I don't know if the fags or what searching a nigger down to grab his nuts. That's one of the things we talked about. Now, one of the, I think one of the craziest things that they talked about too, which is really, you know, I think eye-opening and scary was they bring up the fact of the don't let it be a black and a white one because they'll slam it down to the street top black cop always showing up for the white cop yep. which was like whoa whoa yeah, it's whoa uh-huh. yeah it's whoa but um, i will uh, i also want to say because of how at the beginning of the song uh you have something to say to cube and he says you goddamn right <laughs> i say that all the time yep. like that. whatever somebody <laughs> has like you have something to say about this show you're goddamn <laughs> You're goddamn right. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of those unintentionally hilarious things to me. <laughs> it's just like you got like just those guys. I'm just picturing Cube walking in a courtroom, just fucking pissed. <laughs> you goddamn right. And what's what's interesting is you know again the, the the scratching the record. You don't hear that a lot anymore in modern 
in modern rap and and hip hop. I miss that honestly. I miss it a lot too. Because fuck the police. Fuck 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 the police. And they're sampling. <laughs> ruthless villain by easy e yeah <laughs> they're sampling easy e songs <laughs> they're sampling easy e songs james brown fancy roy ayers yeah um marva whitney william devon absolutely yeah funky drummer has got to be one of the most sampled songs of all time i it, it's like at every at least of this era every hip-hop album i swear yeah, Funky Drummer, absolutely. And you know who is also we'll talk about next song is Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor <laughs> yep. was sampled like in every goddamn hip-hop thing ever. Rightfully so. Um, yeah, no, this was, uh, this. I mean, I think this scared people right out of the gate. Because it's, it's angry. It is angry. Um, yeah, and, you know, you get into it with Ren and, uh, and Eazy-E, you know, are straight up talking about killing a cop's. Um, so you've got that. Um, but yeah, no, the jury found you guilty of being a redneck, white bread, chicken shit, motherfucker. Wait, that's, that's a, a lie. <laughs> that's a goddamn lie. Fuck <laughs> you, you black motherfucker. <laughs> they found the whitest sounding guy they could find. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, it sounds like your buddy in Branson, Missouri. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> right next to Trent. He's, he's working for Trent Otto. Um. <laughs> oh my god. Uh yeah. So uh, that's an inside joke by the way guys. So we, we were Joe, I remember Joe was looking up stuff like uh, bands and stuff like that. So he went to Trent.com thinking it was going to be something around Nine Inch Nails, and it was a car dealership. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. The early Back days in, of the internet, man. Early days of the internet. So next we get as a gangster, gangster. Another banger of a song, man. This Such a classic. The production on this, I love. I, it's so good. This is, it, yeah. <laughs> You know, it's basically a story of these guys, you know, going to a club and getting rejected by women and fucking causing violence and shit. I don't think this was a single, and it should have been. It was. It was a single. It was a single. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah, good. Yeah, good. I don't good. think – not many radio stations are going to play it. I mean, I don't – there's only so much censoring you can do of a song. Yeah. No, but I'm glad uh, this, this was one. A, you uh, just get the the intro beat, and that would be it. <laughs> be like a 20 second song. That was NWA's Gangster Gangster. <laughs> Before we go to commercial, here's NWA Gangster Gangster. Boop, 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 boop. All right, <laughs> we'll be back oh, after this. This is another one where I love easy. Here's a gangster short and size t shirt and a pair of Levi's. <laughs> so good oh god uh, is this also like where it's like and yo bitches i'm talking to you we want to fuck you easy i want to fuck you fuck too. you too <laughs> which, just which, like yeah no shit i want to <laughs> I, I i forgot i forgot about this song because when that happened i immediately went oh shit that's the natalie got that's right natalie portman got that from this fucking song that's right <laughs> Natalie Portman rap. That's right. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's just yeah. I just I love like easy again. He's like his his rhymes are hilarious. His uh, rhymes. Are he's hilarious. got like that funny personality too. Where he's like, I want to fuck you. We want to fuck you. I want to fuck you too. Because you see, I don't take no shit. So let me tell you, motherfuckers, who you're fucking with. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, so good. So good. Alright. Alright. Next we got if, if it, it ain't, ain't rough, rough, this is MC Ren so Yes, I think uh, so. You know, he probably has the, la- the least amount of personality in his rhymes, but it's still good. Yes. I still like MC Ren a lot. It's just, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to stand out when you have such big personality uh, voices like Cube and Easy e yeah, uh, The well, person who suffers the most on this from that is Dr. Dre, Dr. which is kind yeah. of weird saying Dr. Dre is the weak link on an album. But it's kind of, he's great on the production side, but when he's he's, on the mic, he's historically been bad. uh, Yeah, we'll get to that because there's a particular one that I think is is a song that's later in in the thing that really points out to that. But, you know, let's keep in mind that now, okay, now they're sampling Easy E again, but they're sampling Public Enemy. (laughs) Yeah. And they're sampling their own shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they sample straight out of Compton and Quiet on the Set, which comes later. Which comes later, yep. Yeah, and then a it, Star it, in the Ghetto by Average White Band, yeah. We talked about this with the uh, the two live crew. Is like I missed those days where they rap bands sampled other rap bands. Because they also sampled Beastie Boys. Yes, Gangsta they do. Gangster samples Girls. Yep, <laughs> yep. Uh, you know, and Dougie Fresh and Slick Rick. I mean, like, I miss that. I miss... Well, kind of, and, it was just kind of like nice little nods. Yeah, and let's say, you know, I do want to bring up that, because you mentioned, you know, uh, Funky Drummer being one of the most sampled um, tr- al- uh, albums or songs, and I think it is, but one of the most ripped off or sampled lyrically or it, it was and is and I think always will be Slick Rick. Yes. Um, at some point we are going to get to Slick Rick, yeah. um, because this, uh, and you know, you've heard us talk about him quite a bit, but I think Slick Rick was and is the quintessential oh. godfather of, of rap. Oh yeah. Yes. Without a doubt. We will do Slick Rick. I love, I love me some Slick Rick. I love me some Slick and Rick. And we'll also at some point do Africa Bombada. Oh, thank God. Planet Rock is another one of those albums you just have to listen to. It's mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, it ain't rough. Really showcases Ren. It's really yep. I like it. I like this a lot. Yeah, you know, Ren is a villain, and you're just a hostage. Whenever I step and cover your head like an ostrich, <laughs> again, <laughs> there is a juvenileness to these to these lyrics, but which is, I think, a testament to the genius of it. Because, well, they're also like also in their late teens, early twenties, right? Like, kind of comes with it. But they're also talking about subjects that uh, it's unfortunate that they didn't know a lot about. In their exactly. Life. Exactly. Right. Because there's this, I mean, and I think this, this circles back to what I've always said, and I think you've agreed with me, is that humor is where a lot of people handle things. That you got to have some humor in order to get through it. Yes, they're angry. Yes, they're doing that. Yeah, they're throwing in the humor, but it's not to take away. It's a coping mechanism. Absolutely. Oh, oh. We, we, you and I use that too. Like we don't say it on the podcast a whole lot, but like, I mean, if people just saw our messages to each other about like politics, they'd be like, you guys are fucking nuts. Yeah. You absolutely. guys are saying the wrong things. It's like, well, I need to process this. And the best way for me to process it is with humor is with humor. Like, not everybody's humor, but like the kind of humor I need to process shit. Yes. Yes. hundred People saw our Madison Cawthorn. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, people did see that. They would think that you and I were just horrible human beings, but really, 
Um, they are. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Now we go to parental discretion is advised. This is kind of, for me, kind of takes a a dip a bit. Yes. It has all of them. And I think a lot of it is Dre on the mic. It's Dre on the mic. And also, you know, this is another band, Isley Brothers. The Isley Brothers is another group that gets sampled a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And there is something about this. And I think, you know, when you're going to come out with what you have, right, and you have this anger and you have this thing, and I I think you and I have talked about it a little bit off air, is you can only maintain that level of intensity for so long. Eventually, the adrenaline is going to come down. Eventually, you're going to have things where it's not going to be as angry as where the previous things were. And you know what? Any, I, I, I can't imagine them having a, a, an album where it's just, you know, ten songs, eleven songs of just flat out pissed off. This to me was more of a, you know, making fun of, you know, yeah. the whole again the the parental the PMRC the PMRC the yeah. tipper stickers the tipper stickers. This is just making fun of that. I mean, everyone thought that was a joke. Everyone thought that was a joke. It sold more albums that way. More albums were sold with the parental advisory sticker on them than the the censored versions, which, Mm -hmm. duh. like Yeah. No shit. And we should also mention the DOCs on this. And the DOC is uh, is a rapper, and he is also instrumental in the lyrics throughout this album with Cube. Yes. And, and like, every rapper... Like, every... every, (laughs) A lot of popular rap songs in the... the, Throughout this time... Like the DOC, no one can do it better. Yeah, the DOC is, you know, is fucking, I mean, DOC, for those that know, worked with Erica Badu, worked with NWA, Snoop Dogg, you know, yeah. Dre. I mean, the, the DOC is a is a talented motherfucker, also known as Doc T. Yeah, and he's, uh, yeah, yeah. And he, he's, he's, he's got his fingers on all, all of this, and he, you know... People probably know him just because he gets shouted out all the time. But yeah, he's pretty instrumental in a lot of that mm-hmm. hip hop of this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so now fair. let's go to Eight Ball Paul. Oh Christ! One of the weirdest uh, day drinking <laughs> adventures you can ever think of. <laughs> this sounds fucking hilarious. Air, <laughs> <laughs> this... your breath smells. <laughs> Bitch, who you calling a bitch? <laughs> you calling a bitch? I, love it. I don't. And they call out. They call out. You know, uh, the BC boys. I don't drink bat, brass monkey. I like the beat funky. Nickname Easy E. You eight ball junkie. <laughs> no, I'm assuming eight ball was a brand of malt liquor. Uh, <laughs> I, I I don't think eight ball was a was was a brand of malt liquor, sir. <laughs> I think it was because he's actually talking about drinking eight ball. I'm pretty sure it was a malt liquor. Mm, let's look. I, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll look this he's up. He's got the 40 ounce in, in his lap and it's freezing his balls, Paul. I, I don't think cocaine's going to do that. Oh, yeah. You know what? You know what? It was the nickname of, of Oldie. It was, of Oldie. was it? Yeah, it was the nickname of Oldie 800. Yep. The more you know, Paul. The more. Yeah, it's a day drinking story from Easy E's perspective. Yep. Yo, you see, you're Easy hurling in the park. <laughs> like it's hilarious. He's like trying to be tough, and like everybody's like, "What the fuck?" 
<laughs> goes to the liquor store. He ends up pulling out a gun. <laughs> <laughs> you imagine he's, he's here in the parking lot. <laughs> Tell your homeboy you want to kick my butt. I walked in your face. We get him up. <laughs> I start dropping the dogs and watch you fold. You just dumb, full of cum, and got knocked out cold. <laughs> <laughs> this is again. This very kind of has the same vibe of boys in the hood for me. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. A lot of like it even samples boys in the hood. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, Eric B and Rakim, uh, Cool Mo D, Public Enemy again, Beastie Boys. Yep. A lot of Beastie Boys sounds. A lot of Beastie Boys. Of Beastie Boys. <laughs> Which is awesome. <laughs> the Pointer Sisters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool in the gang. Cool I mean, in the yeah, gang. This was, you know, this was before. You talked about, like, how you think Miami is, like, how you like the beats. You know, and I agree with that. If, if West Coast stuck with this, like, I like it, but it's also, you know, that Miami had that vibe until the Chronic. And yes. then that G-Funk era of hip-hop, I really love that. Just- I love the G-Funk era. Yes, yeah. I will completely agree with you. The Chronic, Dr. Dre did change the game with the Chronic. Yeah. There's no yeah. question about that. I do love the sa- – I miss the samples and scratches. <laughs> this one is just like – on this album, the samples and scratches just, you know – just you know, <laughs> turn up Marvin Gaye's greatest hits or whatever, and you hear Marvin Gaye in the background. That might have been Boys in the Hood. I'm fucked. Whatever. No, 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 no. This had Marvin Gaye. This had okay, Marvin. Yeah, Gaye. yeah. Yep. Let's get it out. Yeah, he's like crank up the Marvin yep. Gaye's greatest hits, and then like over the in the background, you hear like him singing. Let's get it. Get it on. on. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So nope, that's like, just like it feels like immersive with the story. I love that. That just that, that to me is really clever and it speaks to how great DJ Yella and Dr. Dre were at production. Oh God, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Hundred. No, I'm not. I'm not saying they weren't as good. I'm just saying you know there was the beats were different, but no, the the fact that they were able to take what was going on and interact yeah. with it in the you know with with the beats and and the background and everything and incorporate it in. No, there's there's a talent to that, and I it's sorely missed at least in my in my eyes. Yeah, yeah. So now we get to something like that. Uh, <clears throat> not my favorite. Get, uh, no. It's not Ren's fault. It's going to be this and Compton in the house where it's, it falls on Dre and Ren, and Dre is just, he's he's not an MC, And uh, I think he was wise wheeling that, reeling that back with on the chronic. Like, he's on some of it. Yep. Vocal, but, like, he really relies on much more talented MCs because he is much better, obviously, in the producer seat. Yeah, he's much better behind the seat than he is in front of the behind the mic than he is in front of the mic. And that's not a shot at him. Again, he, there's talent there, but the problem is <coughs> he's surrounded by such. Yeah, he's amazing... surrounded by Ren, Ice Cube, and Easy. <laughs> right, right. Where in that powerhouse, it's. Uh, you know, it, he, he gets drowned out and it's, yeah. you know, it's what it is, but it just goes to show just how fucking strong of a group this was. Again, when Dr. Dre is your weak link on the mic, it yeah. just goes to show how strong everyone else is. Yeah. And then we go actually, ironically, into a, a hit single, which had Dre on the mic. Express yourself. Okay. This is the one that was talking about where... Yes, express yourself. Um, 
Yeah, this was actually snuck in as a successful hit on MTV after uh, Fuck the Police made it popular. And it's catchy enough. It's catchy enough, but this is what I was talking about. I was like, man, you know, it should have been, honestly, it should have been E or or Q. But But nobody would believe the not smoking pot part. That's what I was going to bring up. Or Cube, because Cube was already talking about smoking weed out. Yeah, I, I think that was, you know, because, you know, because Dr. Drake comes out you know, right away. Now, again, you could call us what it is, you know, now getting back to the PG, that's the program. It's easy. The Dre's back. New Jacks are made hollow, expressing the ain't their subject because they like to follow. I mean, there's a thing there, but Dre, I, 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 ironically enough, I mean, when he comes out with the chronic, he comes out hard. Yeah. Yeah, it's basically him on a cover of zigzags. <laughs> right, right. When he always, but I think this also benefits. I mean, it's not my favorite, but it holds up for me better than the song before it because the writer is Ice Cube. Yes. However, to sit there and say I, I still express it, yo, I don't smoke weed or cess because it's known they gave a brother brain damage, and you're going, <laughs> all right, Dre, <laughs> uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and I think so, in real life he didn't actually smoke pot until he started hanging out with uh Snoop and start was recording the chronic. So I think that, at least that part is actually true. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. I'll 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 give the benefit of the doubt, but the <laughs> yeah. guy put out an album called The Chronics. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think it really like you know <laughs> he smoked a marijuana cigarette and all of a sudden G Funk just <laughs> just came out. Yeah, it just came into his head like, yeah, I gotta do that. Imagine we had smoke weed on this album then. Uh, we would have started with <laughs> <No>. G Funk. <laughs> now we're uh, Compton's in the house again. Uh, yeah. Dre kind of bringing it down. MC Ren can only do so much, I, I would say. Yep. Again, completely agree. Completely agree. I, You and I are on the same wavelength yeah. on this album. Yeah. <laughs> I ain't the one. I ain't the one. <laughs> <laughs> You're thinking lobster. <laughs> you want lobster? I'm thinking Burger King. <laughs> yeah, I uh, basically it's like a, a it's calling out gold diggers, which I mean, mm-hmm. you know what? It, not all women are great people. <laughs> there was definitely a lot of gold digging, <laughs> gold I mean, diggers out there. And if you are offended by the concept of this song, maybe you're a gold digger. Well, I will I, I will bring this up. I mean, again, you had, and it's not just NWA. I mean, you, know, you had Kanye. I mean, it goes as far as all the way up to Kanye, right? Yeah. Okay. You have, and you know, a gold digger to me is not even just a woman, right? Yeah, in, in a way, both sexes. It's both. It's both sexes because you have those cling. It's basically the the the, the hang-ons, right? Yeah. I mean, when I was started, when we were in our band, we started to have some people hang around with us. Not because they were rubber, but because there was this chance that we could have taken off. You know what I mean? Like, oh, these guys are in a band. You know, we should we should kind of hang around and see where this goes. You know what I mean? It so yeah, hundred percent. Like especially if, again, if you're in the hood and you're coming out of doing rap and things like that, you're gonna be surrounded by yeah. by both by gold diggers. Uh, you know, both on the female side and on the you know on the male side, women trying to you know be the girlfriend or whatever and get all the money. And, you know, the friends are going to be like, hey, man, I can get all the free smoke because, you know, these guys are fucking worth a bunch of fucking money. Yeah. 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 
but it's, it's also just hilarious. It's a fucking great song. Fucking great song. It's a fucking great song. <laughs> and which, and again, it, it's like you. It's, this really, really stands out that we haven't heard from Cube in a while on this album because he comes out and it's fucking great. Yeah, he's it's this and then Dope Man. <laughs> and then Dope Man, yes. Yes, Dope oh. Man is great. And that sample uh, My Posse oh. by CIA, which was the group uh, Cube was in before NWA. Oh, I did not know that. Yep. Okay. Yeah, he yep. wrote uh, Boys in the Hood while he was in CIA. Oh, they tried to sell it to a New York hip hop group, and the New York hip hop group said they really couldn't do it because it was they're referencing too many California things. And so he had uh, him and Dre had Easy do it. That's fucking fantastic. <laughs> yeah, no, dope man. It's you know, it's a short one. It's it's. I love it though. Um, you know, she's she's called Strawberry, and everyone knows. Everybody knows. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! It was really. I love like the. the God, when Dre and Easy are on a song together, mm-hmm. it's fucking great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. you have the two distinct voices, and it's just yeah, the oh. two big distinct voices. It's fucking fantastic. Yeah, yeah, Cuban Easy E on on the same track, fucking genius. Yeah, I would. I wish we could have gotten more of that. It would have been. It would have been nice. It would have been. Uh, you know, I. I Again, I don't think Dre should have um, should have been as prominent as he was, but it is what it is. And again, I'm bringing up the fact that Eve really didn't want to be in the on yeah, the mic. He wasn't really interested in it. He was yeah. He was really shy about it too at first, and so I mean, and then, I don't blame him. He's not a performer. If you're not a performer, and people are asking you to perform, you're gonna be like, what? Well, which is crazy because he turned out to be a goddamn really good performer. Yeah. No shit. I mean, fuck. For guys, they don't want to do it. Some prodding, man. Sometimes. Uh, next, we get quiet on the set, Joe. Um, eh. Yeah. You know, at this point, I really felt like these these last two. I mean, you had Arabian Prince on there, but I I feel like this also, you know, not nearly as suffers as much as the fucking two live crew did with yeah. how many tracks. But this could have been. I think you could have dropped three, four tracks on this, and this would have been. Yeah fucking the perfect length. Yeah, you could have dropped uh, Quiet on the Set in the next song, Something to Dance To, and Something to Dance To by Arabian Prince. It's basically like with the last track on the Two Life Crew album. It's just like a DJ set. So, I mean... Yep. But, you know... It it is is what it is. It's it's (laughs) perfectly fine. It's just, you know, the momentum starting to wane here. Good thing it wasn't a double album. God no! The fuck could you imagine that? No, no, absolutely not. Um, thank God it wasn't. Um, you know, and and the thing I, I will I will make difference to to this and to um, to live crew. The average song on this is about four and a half. You average it out is about four and a half minutes. Four and a half minutes. So you know, I, I would say you average out the songs. That's what you're getting with with uh, with two live crew. I think your average length is about three minutes a song um so again to show you know that they're able to really go and go on these beats and and on and on these samples and rap and make it pertinent i think also speaks to the to the um writing of ice cube um especially um and the talent there i'm not saying again that there that it wasn't talent on 
two live crew. But again, I think you can only sing about dicks and pussy for so long. Yeah, it's for, it's a very limited. It's a very limited. We're here. You're singing about a struggle, yeah. and you're gonna find anytime. I don't care. You know, this is. There's been a lot of you know conversation shit about this. You're gonna have the person that has a ton of struggle is always gonna have more to say than the person that hasn't. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, these guys all had a lot to say. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and they still do. They still do. They, <laughs> they still, still do. do. They still do. Uh, <laughs> God damn, Joe. Huh. Yeah. So that brings us to the end of Straight Outta Compton, Paul. Is there any question if I'm going to recommend this? I mean, absolutely, I'm going to recommend this. Oh, yeah. um, this is this is a stone cold classic. This is uh, it holds up, especially like again, like fucking 2020, man. Like fuck the police. When I saw that video, yep. First thing I thought was the song "Fuck the Police." Yep, hundred percent. No, this is still um, pertinent. This is still um, relevant. It hasn't changed. And that's a goddamn shame. It is. That's a goddamn shame. I mean, this album uh, turns 30 in a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, and yep. the I fact. It's already 30, Paul. Is it already 30? Because it came out in 88. So my, my, it's my math off. Okay, it's turning forty. I'm sorry, it's turning forty. Yeah, yeah it's you're right. Forty. Yeah, it's turning forty. Yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry. Yes, it's turning forty. Um, in a so couple years. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and it's still fucking as relevant as it was when it came out. Now that's the difference, right? I think when you look at Two Live Crew and what they were fucking doing, is it still relevant today? In a way. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> sex way. is always going to be around. Paul. Yeah, sex is always going to be around, but it's not as shocking. It's not as whatever. You know, people like well, that. I'd argue some of that was just as shocking to me. <laughs> Fair enough. As it was in Fair 1992. Enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. To me, it wasn't, but that's that, that's that edge. Some of it was. Some of it for me, I was like, okay, wow. All right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, again, I have that edge over that car dealer in in Branson. Uh, so was it as shocking to me as where I felt this one was more pertinent? Yeah, this one is. Uh, it's still an important album. Yeah. No, don't get me wrong. I think if 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 both of these albums came out tomorrow, you know, if if they hadn't been made and both these albums came out tomorrow, I think they still in this day and age produce the same shit show that they did back then. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. the police came out today, like, yeah, they would be, uh, Fox News would be complaining about it. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a war 100%. on white people. War on white people. That bullshit would be coming out of their dumb mouths. 100%. 100%, sir. All right, so what do you guys have going on at the Joe Down? Uh, we're, hopefully next week we'll be reviewing MASH. I'm so excited for you to watch that. <laughs> Um, that's fantastic. Okay. Well, Joe, I got two numbers for you. I got a one and a two. Which one are you doing? Let's do two. Okay. So we're going to stick with controversies. Um, <laughs> I thought we are going to try to do it a little well, we, lighter. All right. We, no, no, no. We are going lighter with it though. However, um, cause the other one was a, a celebrity music one. Um, but we're going to go lighter with it. This is an artist. This is an album that came out, um, caused some issues um, as well. 
and was one of uh, one of their actually the song uh, on this album was rated for the one of the dirty 15 for the uh m uh the the, the prmc we are doing madonna's debut album like a virgin Ah, it's not her debut. It's her second. I was gonna album. say that's not her debut. Yeah, no, that's her second. Her first one was Holiday. That's right. Um, yes, we are doing Madonna's uh, 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 "Like a Virgin," uh, which was uh, uh, yeah, that was her second album, and this is really one that put her on the map and caused a shit show, did it not, Joe? Well, yeah. Then <laughs> Weird Al did "Like a Surgeon." <laughs> which brought us the wonderful wonderfulness of of it yeah no i you know there, there's controversy here but not nearly as much no. as as with the other ones um <laughs> you know again we're that's why i chose this one because it's far lighter uh, content in terms of controversy <laughs> i mean I, we laugh about it now like come on <laughs> but at the time oh boy People were up in arms over it, um, and uh, we'll get really into that. Um, then, uh, then I'll pick the next one, uh, the other one, the number one. I'll save that for my next pick. Then, okay. And um, that one's pertinent as well, um, because, like I said, it's a celebrity that does music, and it's someone that's pertinent. I bet you can already know which one we're going to be Bruce doing. Willis, Return of it's, Bruno. It's Bruce Willis, Return of Bruno. Yeah. <laughs> It's Bruce Willis, Return of Bruno. Absolutely. Uh, but we're going to do Like a Virgin instead. So, <laughs> but we'll do that one on my next pick. Joe, do you want to take us out? No. Fair enough. This has been Rate That Album with Paul Muadib and Joe Fremming. Thank you for listening.